or if, you know, my daughter says, well, all the other girls have, you know, this expensive doll and I don't, and I should, I don't belong. I didn't get invited to the party or I don't get to go or whatever. I'm like, okay, no, your self-worth is not derived from, you know, how you compare to other people. So when you teach those lessons, sometimes it does resonate a little bit more. You step back, you're like, oh, I should listen to that. (laughs) Well, you're a good mommy for saying stuff like that because I tend to say like, well, they don't deserve you anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. When that kind of thing comes up. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Millspo Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Episode 8 of the Advice Not Given podcast, which you may have missed in the last week is that Kelly and I earned our PhD in psychology. Just kidding. (laughs) We did not. But you may think so after you hear today's episode, because we're going to be throwing out a lot of really cool terms that have to do with uh, psychology and different types of uh, psychological issues. And so we wanted to just prep you with that and remind you again, in fact, we do not have PhDs in psychology. (laughs) We are not experts in any kind of cognitive field we're just very interested in students of all things personality. Uh, so Kelly, today we're going to be talking all about something many people have probably heard of. And if you haven't heard of it, maybe you've experienced it and you didn't know that it had a name. And that thing is imposter syndrome. What is it? Kelly, go ahead. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> all right. So apparently an estimated 70% of people experience this syndrome, this thing, and they call it imposter syndrome. If you haven't heard of it, it is, let's see, officially defined as someone who isn't able to, well, this is one definition, isn't able to internalize your own success. So according to um, the dictionary online, it says it's just the persistent inability to believe that your success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of your own effort or skill. So it's just kind of the idea that like you don't deserve to be where you are because you haven't earned it or worked for it, that you're a fake. Yeah. It's this creeping suspicion. It's this, this little voice that gets in your head that says, you don't deserve this. You shouldn't be here. There are better people out here than you. They should have gotten the opportunity. You were only given this because, I mean, I could go on and on, right? Like, but these are the voices that sometimes some of us more so than others uh, suffer from in our minds um, if we're given something good um, or if we've earned something. Sometimes we have this like nagging question about whether or not it was truly deserved um, or if we are fraudulent in some way, which is really sad. Really it is. Yeah. Cause it, ro- it robs us of, um, really any enjoyment and satisfaction of working hard and, and deserving something or something that we have earned. It robs us of a joy and of a, um, reward of, of experiencing that. Yeah. So it's also been posed that women are a little more susceptible to this than men. And this has to do with all sorts of reasons, mostly because of gender constructs and social norms that um, are kind of in place in our society that, uh, you know, a woman's place is 
somewhere. <laughs> and when we achieve success in other realms, um, then sometimes it is a sneaking thing that that creeps in and says, you know what, you don't, you didn't earn this. You can't play with the big boys, um, that sort of thing. So, it, and it happens in not, we're not just talking professionally. Like a lot of the times it's usually spoken about in a professional, you know, scenario or, or you know, context, but um, this can happen and parenting. This can happen in social circles. This can happen at a dinner party. I mean, it can yeah. happen anywhere. Um, whenever you have insecurities that creep in, um, they're, sometimes it's just really hard to, to quiet down and, and overcome. Yeah. I was thinking of an example, maybe the most recent example of when I felt this at its strongest. Um, we're going to put in the show notes. There's actually like a quiz, not even a quiz. It's actually a <laughs> diagnostic tool to see that if, right. see if you suffer from this. And Kelly and I were talking before we recorded just to see like where we fell in that. And at first I was like, well, I don't think I really like struggle with that or deal with that on a regular basis, but I definitely have episodes where it's definitely been a factor. And the time I remember Mm -hmm. um, about this time last year, Kelly and I both were able to attend this um, entrepreneur uh, like weekend in DC, this, uh, what do you call it? An incubator lab yeah, kind of yeah. experience. Mm-hmm. And we got to go, we got to pitch, um, an idea from Millspo gurus among all these other people, not just our peers that were in the program, but in front of all of these entrepreneur experts and, they all just seem smarter than us, younger than us, hipper than us. And I remember feeling at multiple times throughout that weekend, like, why am I here? Like, I think I'm too old or I'm not smart enough to be here. I, I don't run in these circles and it does make you feel a way like it's, it was uncomfortable to feel that way. Oh, I was that that's it. You're uncomfortable. So I was going to just counter that. Like I, I kept saying that like Claire of all people, she's like so calm and steady and calm. she's like, Kelly, I don't need to be here. <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about? Of course we need to be here. No, we don't have like a million dollar idea. Like, no, it's not going to be anything huge. The, the whole point of the, the, um, the camp was to essentially teach us how to like test and pry apart our idea. So is there something there? You know, let's tease it out. They taught us how to pitch. Were we pitching for investment money? No. I mean, no, it was just kind of like pretend it was play. Um, But still being in that scenario, if you're not used to it, is uncomfortable. And then it was intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. It's super intimidating. And when that discomfort, you know, kind of cracks into your confidence, um, that allows for all of these other thoughts to come in. Um, there was actually somebody that didn't return the next day. Did you remember that? There was somebody that just didn't come back. I was like, Oh, that's, that's unfortunate. But then again, you know, that's, that's part of it. I'm used to being in those situations, um, for some other stuff that we do for work, um, for my other works. (laughs) Um, and it's funny because I've kind of gotten used to the inflated sort of facade that most people put on when they're in these places. Mm. Um, So whether or not, they are suffering from imposter syndrome, you know, who knows, right? But pretty much you fake it till you make it in those sorts of environments. You just pretend like you are the next big thing. Um, Whether you are or not, doesn't matter. But the people that tend to do really well either have like an amazing idea and like are innately like, it's just genius or... They, they are, are super confident. Funk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are just like playing it off. Um, so yeah, but those but if you're not used to that at all, like it, yeah. it definitely is like a wake up call, like, oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> so yeah. yeah, for me, I had it creep up. I was telling Claire earlier, I it crept up once um at a dinner party. And I mean, you know, I, I don't think I'm unintelligent. Um, I definitely don't think I'm like super smart or like 
you know, highly accomplished or anything. And I try not to walk around arrogantly, but I have never been so humbled as when I went to a dinner party in DC and was literally the dumbest person in the room. <laughs> it felt like I oh. could not hold a conversation. I wanted to find the table with the crayons. Like, <laughs> Yeah. So out of my league. I mean, these people, and now granted it's DC, it's the culture. Everyone's kind of a climber. Everyone is super successful just by nature of all of the jobs that are to be found there and all of the, just the, the affluence of the neighborhood that we were in and everything. I was just very much out of my league and I'm like, I do not belong here. (laughs) It was really hard. So I didn't, I didn't go to those parties anymore. I was like, nope, it's not my place. (laughs) Yeah. What I was going to say too, like you mentioned the person not coming back to the second day of our camp. I do think for most of us, we can recognize it and like let the feeling pass. But I think for some, it can truly become debilitating to Mm -hmm. the point that you abandon a dream or you give up on an event or showing up for something. And to me, that's when it's like, oh, hold up. Like, don't let it go that far. Okay. So, and on that point, I also want to mention, like, I think that it will limit you for pursuing stuff. Um, So when we were kind of like formulating what we wanted to talk about today, I kept coming back and thinking of the fact that women don't typically negotiate as well or as often um, with as good of outcomes as men do. And again, I don't know if that's because, um, you know, we suffer this, you know, we have more of a propensity to have imposter syndrome or if there's some other things at play, I'm sure there are. Um, but for the most part, you know, we don't negotiate salaries. We don't pursue jobs that seem or seemingly maybe a step above where we feel like we are professionally, whereas a man would because they're overconfident, right? Like if we don't check off every single tick box of the, you know, qualifications and the job description will pass on that opportunity versus saying, you know what? No, I'm capable of that. I'm going to go for it. Or, you know, getting the, getting the offer for the job. Like, oh, okay, sure. Sounds great. If you think that's what I'm worth. Okay. Versus men who are like, nope, 20% more or I'm walking. (laughs) Right. We need to learn that. It kind of goes back to the boundaries discussion, right? Like Mm -hmm. we're not as quick to say no, period. We want to give excuses and all of this. So I think all of it just has to play into like confidence, into a, a, an, a, an ability to be able to kind of just like be okay with who you are. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think that, and maybe it's not a magic age or a magic number, but would you agree or disagree that maybe that confidence only comes once you've reached a certain point in life? Like once you've lived enough life to realize that or it's just a mindset thing I think some people are better at it than others for sure but I definitely think we gain an advantage the older we get and you know what you know what I think it is I think we get better at it when we start advocating for others more frequently and when we advocate for our children that's when it really starts to become more of a thing, right? Like, so if I'm seeing my daughter getting passed over for something, or if I'm seeing her, you know, yeah, or, or my son, even, you know, if somebody takes a ball from him on the playground, I'm not going to go get the ball and give it back to him. I'm going to teach him how to stand up for himself. Like, and it, yeah. it infuriates me. So like, or if, you know, my daughter says, well, all the other girls have, 
you know, this expensive doll and I don't, and I should, I don't belong. I didn't get invited to the party or I don't get to go or whatever. I'm like, okay, no, your self-worth is not derived from, you know, how you compare to other people. So when you teach those lessons, sometimes it does resonate a little bit more. You step back, you're like, oh, I should listen to that. (laughs) Well, you're a good mommy for saying stuff like that, because I tend to say like, well, they don't deserve you anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah. true. No, no, I think that's true. I, yeah, I just, I think it's something to recognize. And again, you know, it's back to almost everything we talk about has to do with self-awareness. We're doing this whole podcast because we want to become more self-aware personally. Um, we're pretty good at calling each other out on stuff. So this is where we're headed with this, but, um, yeah, just being aware of when those feelings are creeping in case in point, I have been asked to speak at a thing and, I called Claire last week. Like I shouldn't, I need to call out sick. Like I can't do this. <laughs> I don't know why they asked me to do this. I'm not, you know, I'm not credentialed enough. I don't, I'm not, you know, don't have like a certification or whatever. And she's like, okay, let's stop. You know, what are these feelings? Cause this has nothing to do with what you know and what you're prepared right. and capable of presenting or saying or doing or delivering to this audience of course you belong or they wouldn't have asked you they're not dumb like (laughs) they know what they're doing so like take a moment extricate all the feels from it you know recognize them let them go and then get to work so yeah yeah this is a very real and I'm holding her accountable to practice and give her talk to me so I can like beef her up with her confidence a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So I can blame it on Claire too. When it doesn't go well, I can say that it was her fault. Yeah. She wasn't here and yeah. (laughs) Well, there's another phenomenon that we just kind of in some of our research for this topic we came up with. And I think it's interesting too, because, well, let me just share what it is first. It's called self versus aggregate comparison. And it's basically this idea that any situation you enter into, whether it's the group you're speaking to, or um, maybe it's a, a new spouse group you're a part of, or at a new job, that we are all constantly in this uh, space of comparing and looking at where we fit in the average, where do we, are we above average of this group? Are we below average? And that determining that then manifests itself in our confidence and in our feelings about being part of that so, social circle or group. And I think that's really, that's great. So, okay. So I think I'm, it's subconscious, obviously. I don't yeah, think we do it on purpose. Yeah. So it's evolutionary. So I, I don't want to get too in the weeds because I'll probably mess it up, but I know at some place in your brain, like super low down, like in your lizardish brain, um, you are programmed to categorize things, right? Right. So you know that a snake is a snake and it's dangerous. You don't have to think or process that, you know, because you've sat on a sofa once before, you now know that a sofa is for sitting or lounging. You don't have to like walk up to a sofa every time you see one, like and investigate it, right? Like there are shortcuts yeah. to your brain develops, right? We do that with people. And that's a lot of the times where like racial bias and things like that come into play, gender bias even, like because of the fact that we're categorizing people on instinct. It's a bias. It happens unconsciously. So we're doing it. Um, what's interesting, so I started studying a lot of stuff um, around this topic when I first had my kids because my babies are biracial. So I got into um, some kind of social studies on raising biracial children and what are some of the the issues and the topics that we'll encounter and, you know, how do I learn how to braid my baby's hair? You know, like all these sorts of things. Yeah. And I got into the psychology of like when people ask them specifically, 
oh, where are you from? <laughs> right. Or um, you must look like your daddy <laughs> or all these mm-hmm. other things. They can't help it right now. I'm not excusing it, but I'm saying we people used to do it to my husband all the time growing up. So when I started asking him about it, he would say, yeah, people would ask me, where are you from? And they weren't asking, where are you from? They wanted to know his genetic code. That was code. Like, where did you get the darker skin? Um, And he didn't understand that because he grew up all over the world. So he would always tell them all the different countries he lived in. And they were like, no, I don't understand. And he was like, he would always say, it seemed like people couldn't get past that point in the conversation. And they actually mentally couldn't. Your brain has to put people in a category. Category. They have, it has to know where to file that person away. Ultimately, it's determining friend or foe. Right, like, are you right. safe? It's a it's not? a survival thing, a yeah. fight or flight kind of. Yeah, and we have to like evolutionarily learn how to override that. Now, overrides come with exposure to more people and more diversity in your life, and just kind of you know, like all all of that stuff, kind of like consciously overriding those mechanisms that we either grew up with or just by nature of living in a homogenous society, like have right. adapted. But the next step from that is figuring out the community structure and the social hierarchy. And I think that right above, you know, friend or foe, flight or flee or, you know, whatever, is that sort of social component of walking into a room and measuring up, where do I fit? How does, what's the power dynamic at play? Are things stable? Is it safe? You know, is there room for me to excel or succeed? And to take that a step further, I think what's interesting about our situation as military spouses or married to service members, we have opportunities, to use your word, to do that all the time. Because it's not like, like, for example, my parents, they're still living in the town I grew up in. So they're not encountering a lot of new people Mm -hmm. and they're not encountering a lot of situations where they're having to go in and subconsciously or Mm -hmm. consciously make those judgments and decisions and categorizing but as people who move all the time and whose social circles, whose neighbors, whose friendships, everything is changing all the time. We do that more. And I wonder how that over time, like right. affects not just our, our friendships and our personalities, but like even just our brains. Right. You know? Right. Do you think we get better at it or do you think it's a detriment? Cause I think mm, that's mm, tough. Right? I don't know. So what if, okay. So let's say on one side, I want to say like, we're more adept at like, and I, I've said this before in conversation with people just explaining our lifestyle. I had some friends in California that were like locals. They were from Cal, they lived in California. They weren't military affiliated. And she was like, I am shocked at how quickly you have like a friend group. Like right. you just like got here and made friends. I was like, I'm really good at choosing who I know who I'll sync up with. Like I know who I'll click with. Um, so in a way I was looking at that as a, as a cool feature, like a cool skill that I've developed, but I can also now see on the other side of that is some really prejudicial practices. Like I'm judging people on moment yeah. one, Yeah. like we're not going to jive. Like this isn't going to work and you're not really allowing for like expansion or actual connection because I mean, let's be real. What are first impressions are all, they're all fake. You don't really know anybody until a little ways in, right? (laughs) Well, And I'm even thinking of the implications of that. Like to use your example of your California people who were just astounded by this quality and ability. Uh I mean, but to some degree, like, yeah, we do do that quickly. But is it how deep is it deep and authentic? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's a difference to me, like in the friends I make quickly here. And yes, they're going to come like help me at the ER or do a meal train for me if I'm sick. But 
they're not, they're not like my best friend from back home who I've known since eighth grade. So there's that too. Not that one's better than the other. I know. And I wonder too, though, if it doesn't like strengthen us or exhaust us in the end, like does both. it deplete us? I think it's it, both. Yeah. Right. Hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Cause you don't want to put a value on someone's ability to like fill a calendar. You don't want to just fill your social right. schedule. That's not like connection. Right. That's just busyness sometimes. Um, it can lead to connection. So, but. Yeah. So here's what I think is also interesting about this imposter syndrome and those who struggle with it or deal with it from time to time. Um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs has pretty high up those psychological needs and the the level or the tier next to the top is the need to feel accomplishment and the need to feel prestige. And so I'm wondering. Mm, but is it belonging continue- beneath that? Belonging is beneath that, but I'm wondering if those, like where on that level over that pyramid, so to speak, where do you get hung up or stuck when you allow imposter syndrome to? Well, I think you fall out of it, right? I think you fall out of that wrong because you're like, if you're questioning whether or not you belong, you can't, you can't ever fully like reach the accomplishment or the self-fulfillment from that. So you're falling down. So um, there's someone by the name of Valerie Young. She's the author of the book, The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, and she's considered to be an imposter syndrome expert. Um, I'm sure she loves that. Um, but there, are, she's exposed these patterns. So there's five different types of um, imposter feelings. So the first type is the perfectionist. Uh, so these are folks that set extremely high expectations for themselves. Even if they meet 99% of their goals, they're going to feel like failures and any small mistake will make them question their own confidence. Uh, the next type is called the experts or are the experts. They feel the need to know every piece of information before they start a project, constantly look for new certifications or trainings to improve their skills. They won't apply for a job if they don't meet all the criteria. They might be hesitant to ask a question in class or speak up in a meeting at work because they're afraid of looking stupid if they don't already have the answer. All right, the next type is called the natural genius, and they struggle um, or work hard to accomplish something or has to struggle or work hard to accomplish something Um, here she thinks that they mean, this means they aren't good enough. So they're not just granted with this natural acumen. They're used, they're used to skills coming easily when they have, and when they have to put in effort, their brain tells them that it's proof that they're an imposter. That's fascinating. And I think something I read tell on that one talks about how the, the speed or the ease with which you do something factors in to that. Like if you can't do it quickly, and easily, then that's where the imposter piece hits. Um, so I can tell which ones I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> the soloist, um, they feel they have to accomplish tasks on their own. And if they need to ask for help, they think it means that they're a fa- failure or a fraud. Um, and then the last type is called supermen or superwomen. And they push themselves to work harder than those around them to prove that they're not imposters. So they feel the need to succeed in all aspects of life, at work, as parents, as partners, and may feel stressed when they are not accomplishing something. So perfectionist, experts, natural genius, soloist, supermen, superwomen. So we want to know, which ones do you guys feel like you fall into at times? These aren't current, always, you know, existing states of existence, but... um, yeah, where do you feel? What what about you, Claire? Where do you? Which one of those maybe resonates um, circumstantially for you? Yeah, I think as you were reading through them, there were definitely a few that I was like, mm, that's not 
so much where I feel like it's stepping on my toes, but I think the Superwoman one about like, I I picture that even as like the woman spinning all the plates, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're not spinning every single plate perfectly and getting it all done and all done well, then throw it all out. Then you're not good at anything. And I do find, um, maybe that one is the one that I struggle with the most. And, and again, I'm going to tie back into our paychecks episode from episode seven. Part of that for me comes, or I feel like I, I increase the number of plates when I do not have a job outside of the Mm -hmm. home, because I tell myself like, well, you're not working. You should say yes to this. You should be super mom, super parent, super wife, super hostess, like do all the things because you're not working, so you have time to do <laughs> yeah. them. And then eventually, I can't do them all great. And um, when I sense a plate starting to fall, that's when I start feeling like, well, I'm not cut out for this. And maybe I'm not a good mom. And my kids would be better off with somebody else. Mm. And, you know, that whole mm-hmm. negative shame thing. You can thing. do anything, you? but not everything. It's my favorite quote on that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I resonate with the expert. Um, as I've already stated, <laughs> I don't know if I have enough credentials or if I um, have enough information or um, I do the analysis paralysis for sure uh, before every episode. Claire's like, okay, stop researching. We have enough <laughs> things to talk about. Yeah. Let's not formulate it too much. And um, so, yeah, that's, I, I don't know if I really agree so much with hesitant to ask a question or speak up in a meeting because to me um, clarification is more important than um, maybe being I guess it would depend on the question if we're still formulating some sort of like course of action that I'm fine with like speaking up if it came down to uh, infringing on my uh, what am I trying to say like my if it were going to make me look terrible or terribly incompetent, then I'd probably mm-hmm. keep it to myself. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm certainly not going to speak up and answer a question unless I know the answer. Like, I don't feel comfortable making up answers. And I think some people talk just right. to hear their voice. Um, that I don't feel like works for me. So, yeah, that one. Um, yeah. For sure. I I can't help but overlay some, like, Enneagram personalities onto some of these two. I, I know that's what we, as we were both reading through them, uh-huh. like, well, that sounds like a such and such type, or that would be totally. So I'll I'll start with this list. Um, the perfectionist that has to be the Enneagram sure. one, sure. right? They see the the flaws and the systems and the the ways to improve things. And as someone married to an Enneagram one, I can mm-hmm. definitely see how a one falls into that that particular yep. competence yep, type. Yep. Yep. The, um, I'm trying to see, think of any of the others. I'm going to cross them off as we go. And then, so we don't want to leave anybody out. So okay. I know expert is for sure the five, um, that just, there's, it couldn't have been said more cleanly <laughs> from a five. What about a three? Do you think a three achiever would I, fall into that? You know, expert? I actually don't because I think threes are more quick to act. Um, quick to act. Okay. Yeah. And they can, they, they're okay with like 80%. Um, if you're a three, let us know if this, if I'm completely off base or not, but the, the perception I have of threes is, um, done is better than not like, you know what I mean? Like 80% is great. Like check it off, move on to the next thing. Good enough is good. And they can move on. Like ones can't do that. Um, a five would be okay with not the most amazing finished product, but they want to make sure that they have more information to get going. Um, and so besides the five, who do you think, 
what other number types do you think can fall into the expert? So, I think ones maybe because they they would feel unprepared if they didn't have all the information. Okay. Uh, eh, that one's so niche, man. I don't know. Let's move on. Okay. So three, um, I eight is screaming. Hang on. Are we going by type? Oh my bad. Yeah, three doesn't make sense here. Types. When the natural genius. Let's do that. <laughs> The yeah. natural genius. Okay, so again, this is the person who cares about how and when accomplishments happen, competence measured in terms of ease and mm-hmm. speed. Um, I don't know who. Which of the enneagram types do you think? So I, I, I hear this feel... as an eight struggle. Um, mm-hmm. They, they. I feel like eights feel like they're always up against a struggle. Like they're always having to work harder. That they're too. They, they, they're always accused of being too much, right? Because they're always having to put forth more and right. more and more effort and energy. It's not necessarily that they have to. They just everything to them is, um, done at that intensity, right? So they may be yeah. putting out more work and struggling. They might not have to, but they do. And so, you know, they're because of the effort they put forth, they do typically succeed or are successful. Um, they're like super athletic, right? So they win the trophies and the things, and maybe they are working harder in the field, but they don't know any other speed, right? What about a nine, though? Do you think a nine could deal with that, too? I'm thinking in terms of like the nine who either through stubbornness or just um, lack of like energy has to go slowly at things and then they may experience frustration. Yeah, Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. You know what I think we're going to fall into this trap of is that some numbers are so strong and so like Mm well-defined that we're going to have these like fuzzier sorts of types that we're going to be accused of leaving out. (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay, So that's the perfectionist, the expert, and the natural genius, the soloist. I have a number in mind. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. For this one? It's a four. (laughs) Four. (laughs) It's a four. Um, If they need to ask for help, it means they're a failure. I mean, I could see a a three here as well because asking for help uh, would mean that they didn't do it all on their own, um, that they aren't just innately Mm -hmm. successful enough to achieve it. So maybe, you know, for different reasons. Um, But yeah, definitely four there. And then I would wonder, well, I also wonder on the soloist, if a two could fall into that trap. <gasps> oh my as a God, helper, yes. Of thinking like, nobody can do it but me. I've got to be available. I've got to be there to help. I've got to be uh-huh. giving. I wonder if they could fall in. I mean, we're talking just in generalities here. Just so. Um, okay. Superman, Superwoman. I mean, you, my friend, the six have already identified as that one. And I'm going to say three there too. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I know as a six, the, um, I hate to use the word need, but the feeling that we want to be involved in all these things is sometimes motivated by our need of security. Like, well, I'm going to be a great mom so I can connect as a mom. I'm going to be a great wife so I can connect as a wife. And, and we're essentially like hoarding, um, resources in our life to, to act as a stable, stabilizing force and a security force. So I think that might be why some sixes might be motivated, but I definitely think a three. Um, I wonder if I a know, seven. I know we seven. haven't so, mentioned sevens too much, but I, I'm wondering if they could also fall into that Superman, uh-huh. Superwoman. Um, again, just kind of wanting to be an enthusiastic person yeah. and have all the yeah. I love your plates. Plate your plates 
you know, illustration because I can see that, you know, with a seven, especially now they might let one drop and not be as concerned about it (laughs) or like literally throw it away. (laughs) It's like, I'm done with this plate now. I'm going to move on to the next. Let's Let's go get new plates. (laughs) (laughs) And because they're in the head triad, I would also maybe throw them into the expert realm as well, just because of the Mm -hmm. like constantly looking for new certifications, new trainings, new skills. That's sort of a, uh, for me, that's a stress, mm-hmm. like disintegration from five to seven. And I think w- when I'm more stressed, I hop from thing to thing to thing without like focus. Um, so there might be some tie in there yeah. too for them. Um, well, I feel like we've touched on each of the nine types, but maybe the nines, do you see of those five things? Like maybe one? Well, so we talked a little about perfectionism. In, in true nine form, I mean, they the- could they could touch on each and every one, right? Like, I think that's they're always the hardest to kind of like nail down because they can merge with almost anything. So there are attributes of each one of these. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the perfectionist one percent failure for them is upsetting the the current. You know, that's that's something that would really be yeah. unnerving for a nine for a peacemaker. Um, I think not being an expert would be letting someone down, which would be, dash, you know, and again, like Enneagram, it's, it's mm-hmm. whatever kind of like pulls on that core motivation, core fear. Y'all let us know your thoughts. If you guys have, um, if you know your Enneagram type, uh, we'll put up all of these different imposter syndrome feelings. We would love to hear which ones, you know, kind of jump out at you. Maybe we can amend our observations to include actual experiences. That'd be cool. Yeah. And if you have a way that you find your tried and true go to uh, self-correcting measure when you do experience this, we would love to hear that, too, because um, as I mentioned earlier, I don't feel like this is something that I'm just continually bombarded with. So because it's episodic and sporadic, I tend to just like move through it. It's uncomfortable, but okay, moving on to the next thing. And I would maybe argue I don't even put myself in situations where I know I'm going to feel that way because you I want to avoid it. But so. <laughs> you just don't even go to the thing. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you say some ways of self-correcting or re-diverting or anti-shaming yourself? Like what were your... So this is going to tie into our advice for the week. Um, so I um, came across, I had this app a long time ago. It was called Headspace. And uh, the the guy who created the app, his name is Andy something. I forget his name. It's just Andy. He's this British guy. He's a British accent. It's lovely. It's lovely. Um, and it's a meditation app. It kind of walks you through these guided meditations. And it's not super woo. It's actually really um, – it's just kind of like, okay, here's the deal. You're stressed out. This is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to fix it. And imagine this. And like, he walks you through these guided meditations and kind of helps bring you down from whatever it is that you're experiencing. So there's one we'll link. Well, it's a a grounding, a grounding exercise to get you back out of your head. So he has this one, it's kind of like an introduction, like what is meditation anyway, right? Like what even is it? Um, And he, it's a, it's a cute little drawing and there's like a freeway and there's the guy and the guy is you. And it's like, okay, imagine this is your brain. And then here are all these cars zipping up and down and back and forth and honking and, you know, traffic and congestion all up and down this freeway. And those are your thoughts. The cars are your thoughts. So you can sit and you can watch the thoughts or you can start chasing the thoughts and feel like you need to get involved with the thoughts or like mm-hmm. trying to stop the cars or run out into traffic and try to control things and and you can't. So all you end up doing is like exhausting yourself, running down all these thoughts and chasing these things or getting run yep. over by them or, you know, whatever it is. Um, 
And his whole thing is imagine yourself just sitting by the side of the freeway in on the grassy knoll <laughs> and watching the cars. Just observe them. They're fast. They're loud. Some are slow. You know, just acknowledge that they're there, that they're in front of you, and that they're driving past. So take every thought, every feeling, especially these creepy, nasty feelings of imposter syndrome when they come in. Again, this is easier said than done, you guys. I deal with this all the time. But having this like conscious reminder of, okay, that's just a car driving down my freeway. Like I'm going to watch it pass by. I'm going to honor it. I had this moment where I felt like I didn't deserve to be here or I didn't belong. I'm going to let it go. And then I'm going to move on and see what actually comes of the situation. So that I just think. Um, even just taking like a moment, it's a minute long video. Just watch a little video. I watch it a lot. <laughs> like I watch it a lot whenever mm-hmm. I need to remind myself of what that practice looks like to be able to just stop and ground myself and say, okay, these are just thoughts. And these are all literally stories that I am telling myself. It's probably no one else's story. <laughs> so it's funny. I actually use that app sometimes. I was using it more a while back, but I did a headspace meditation on my flight to DC. Not because of imposter syndrome, just anxiety <laughs> of flying. Just fight. <laughs> and literally putting my feet on the ground and using my sits bones to sit into my chair and look forward in it. Like it totally helped. So yeah, that's a great app. That's a great app. Yeah, I think the other piece would be just to use good self-talk, you know, not that you want to mm. go in and, and categorize or make judgments on other people. But just tell yourself, like, I do deserve to be here. And um, Mm -hmm. yeah, this may be an uncomfortable feeling, but I can sit with it and it will pass. And, you know, kind of the whole Stuart Smalley, I'm good enough, I'm smart (laughs) enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. Like, sometimes as silly as that sounds, like, like just some little simple phrase to repeat can bring you back. (laughs) All the different Peloton instructors have their sign-offs and one girl's is like, I can, I do, I will, I am. Like, that's her little mantra. Mm-hmm. Like, and she says it all the time. I'm like, oh, I love that. Yeah. It's so, imp- like, just that's it. That's a little pet me. talk. I can. A little pet talk. Yeah. Yeah. That's or great. Or smile, you woke up today is another one that I love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are worse things in life than stressing out over an opportunity you've been given to share your expertise. So, yeah. So let's go ahead and do our advice for this week. Or do you want to start with checking in on last week and end with this week? Let's check in on last week. Okay. So last week, episode seven, we had an entire episode on this idea of paychecks and whether or not you're earning a monetary uh, income. We wanted to explore other ways that we get motivated and uh, receive payoff or payback for that. And we each gave some advice and we wanted to check in and see how we were doing with that. You go ahead and start and then I'll finish with mine. Okay. So my paycheck uh, is or was uh, that I I am going to, okay, my advice around paychecks, let's back up, is that I'm going to start divvying up my time into thirds because I have three projects slash things that I'm working on right now. So my one for me is going or was going to be like some personal freelance endeavors. Right. So I bought the domain name. It's kellyartist.com. The website may or may not be launched by the time this airs. (laughs) We'll see. But I did pay for the hosting and started kind of sketching out the wireframe of the website and um, kind of creating a menu of services, like deciding what kinds of things that I want to be available for, like what my time will allow for, 
um, and even what people would even be interested in. So my goal is to have it up by, you know, the end of the month uh, to try to have some services available if people that I meet at upcoming events are interested or need help. So, well, I'm going to give it. you a paycheck with a gold star and an A plus and a blue <laughs> first place ribbon because you know that Yay. that was that's Yay. exactly to me the heart of why we're doing this, not just for ourselves, but for other people. Yeah. Hopefully, inspire you. You had an idea, you made yourself yep. accountable to it, you followed up with it, and that little website's just another step closer to being launched out into the world, and you may be. A millionaire by the time I mean this podcast turns me. a year old, people just using your <laughs> services. So what? that's awesome. Okay, so we'll tell us yours. Okay, so mine, I had a little bit of difficulty in that episode even thinking of what I wanted to do, but Kelly encouraged me to kind of stretch myself and see what um, in my life might feel like a paycheck. And one of the things I admitted was that I have this. I would tell you that writing and uh, writing for a longer publication, like a book length uh, project is important and valuable to me. But over the last two months, I continue to put it on my calendar and I continue to let that fall and be the thing that doesn't ever get done. And I had um, given myself the advice that I wanted to have at least one 2,500 to 3,000 word essay for this project completed. And instead of making excuses for it or not getting it done, I moved my desktop computer out of my <laughs> office to my kitchen table for a day. And I not wow. only wrote one essay, I started the second one and I feel like I'm on my way. I've got like this win and this momentum going. And that was a big paycheck for me to Yay. follow up and follow through for That's Claire because I, I do it for everybody else. So why not do yep. it for me? Yep. That's awesome. Yay. I'm so excited. That's so cool. And I'm really sad that you don't feel like you could have written that in your sweet studio that you've got going on there. <laughs> I know. Well, there's a million things. And part of it is the ergonomic way I sit. Like it's just not conducive to like long form typing and yeah. writing. Yeah. And as I've mentioned, also I homeschool our kids and I'm trying to be very available and at least physically in the same room where they're doing their schoolwork, mm. even though they don't really need me a lot. I want to be there. And so I just moved the big computer in there and maybe awesome. the real paycheck is I'm going to tell Ryan, I need a MacBook, you know? Yeah. I mean, so. yeah, exactly. That's an actual paycheck. <laughs> and he would Congrats. say, you need to earn an Congrats, actual paycheck Mama. and then no! you can buy one. <laughs> it's an investment. Tax right <laughs> you off, need babe. to invest in you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, so that puts us to the final part of this episode, episode eight, where we do want to circle back around and talk about how we might give ourselves some advice that you can or don't have to take about this idea of imposter syndrome and how that kind of is impacting us or where we see that, you know, showing up in our lives and what we might want to do about it. So I'm going to go back to the video that I just mentioned, um, the little, the Andy's headspace video about the traffic. So I'm going to try to identify at least a couple of times this week um, when I am getting stuck in traffic or when I'm running out into traffic. I'm going to try to identify those moments, um, hopefully stop myself and get out of the road. <laughs> yes. Or at least just observe and see what happens um, and not get crushed. But <laughs> Yeah, I like no, it. It'll be good. I just, want to, I just want to be more observant of that. So Okay, so we'll be asking you in a week, did you, uh -huh. did you do it? Were you able to yeah. successfully 
sit and let the noise of all the traffic go on around you yeah. without being drawn into it. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So for mine, I am going to go back to this um, imposter syndrome competence type of the superwoman. And I am going to metaphorically take off my cape for the week and remind myself that good enough is good enough. When I'm mm-hmm. frantic or feeling like, oh, I've got to do this to this level or to this degree, I'm going to say, eh, you know what? Nope. You don't have to do it. You don't have to be all things to all people and good enough is good enough and done is done. It doesn't have to be perfect or to the level of, and you know what? That's going to free you up. Oh yeah. Paychecks. Yeah. More paychecks. You're just saying (laughs) that's right. That is right. I love it. I love it. Well, we're excited to get this episode out. And so those of you who are listening, message us, send us a DM through Instagram or send us a Facebook message and let us know if any of these imposter syndrome types resonate with you or as we were overlaying Enneagram types, if we stepped on your toes, if we didn't accurately (laughs) um, depict what you feel like your experience is, or if you just completely disagree with something we've said or have something to add to it, we would love to hear from you. And don't say, and listen, I'm going to call you out. Did you say disagree because you're feeling like an imposter? (laughs) No, I'm saying like, because there's so much more that we haven't even uncovered in all this. Like if we've misspoken, I guess. Got it. Got it. Oh no, we are not imposters. (laughs) You do know that our website and our whole like umbrella that this podcast falls under is Milspo gurus. I don't I think know. that's an imposter. <laughs> no. no, join us next week when we talk about false modesty and Napoleon complex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs>
If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Millspoke Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given. 